Hello, friends, and welcome to Thank You for the Music, the ABBA podcast you never knew you needed. We're your hosts, Lauren and Julie, and you're listening to She's My Kind of Girl from ABBA's first album, Ring Ring. I at first thought we were doing I Am Just a Girl, because now we're because we've we've moved out of the brother portion of the program and into the girl portion of the program. Yes, we're done with the brothers. We're on to the girls. Mm-hmm. So Julia, the song we're singing this week is "She's My Kind of Girl." Oh yeah, this song. Not she's <laughs> just my kind of girl, like they say in the song, but she's my kind of girl. Which they don't say in the song. No. Right. It's also not, I am just a girl. It's also not, I am just a girl. Yeah, don't get those two. Don't get it twisted. Mm-mm. This is next week. Next week. So, Julie, I have an exciting announcement to make. <gasps> Ooh, please tell me. Regarding the history of this song. Okay. We are going back to the year 1969. Ooh. In a little film we like to call Inga 2. Inga 2. What a film. What a film. <laughs> so this song was originally written for the film Inga 2 when Bjorn and Benny and Stieg were working on the film in the hopes of launching Bjorn and Benny's international career. But, like, we all know that didn't happen. So <laughs> uh, this song is the oldest song on this album, written and recorded in 1969, and it never took off as a Bjorn and Benny song. Until 1972, when a music executive from Japan heard the song while visiting a colleague in Paris. And France, incidentally, is the only country outside of Scandinavia where the song was released as a single. Whoa. Elsewhere in Scandinavia? Yes. Sweden, elsewhere in Scandinavia, (laughs) and France are the only places that it was released as a single. So it's kind of serendipitous, I guess, that he discovered this. But he thought that the sound would resonate well in Japan because it's kind of melancholy in nature. And it was released as a single in Japan in 1972 and peaked at number seven. And then in November of 1972, Bjorn and Benny were invited to perform the song at the World Popular Song Festival in Tokyo. And they brought Frida and Anita with them, right? Oh, yeah. A little vacation for the four of them, for sure. But they were not singing on the song no no they weren't singing this song they were just there to support bjorn and benny yes they're the groupies groupies (laughs) um the song also has an interesting history in terms of its placement on the album i think when the first version of ring ring the album came out in sweden and elsewhere in scandinavia the first track was the Swedish version of Ring Ring. And then the English version was included on the B-side, where She's My Kind of Girl is located now. And She's My Kind of Girl wasn't on the album, I think is what I I gathered. But when they wanted to release Ring Ring the album outside of Scandinavia, they bumped the Swedish version of Ring Ring off of the album, moved the English version to the top of the album, and just kind of slipped in, she's my kind of girl, to the B-side. So people speculate that this is because she's my kind of girl was included on the B-side of the Swedish single Ring Ring, and it already had some recognition 
worldwide, although it's not like a true ABBA song, it's just Bjorn and Benny. It definitely wasn't included because it's a good song. It just seemed like a, a natural fit because it already had been tied to the Bjorn and Benny, Anita and Anifried brand on the single. I'm trying to think of what to say, but you pretty much covered all of it. Just to reiterate what you said, because that's what I do on this podcast. <laughs> that's your role. It is my role. <laughs> It it doesn't feature Anita or Frida at all. No. But somehow it still made it onto their first album as ABBA. Right. Maybe. They just didn't have enough songs and they had more room on the vinyls. Right. Yeah. That's probably it. Why? What were you going to say? Did you have some like weird conspiracy theory that you're going to float here? Yeah, I was trying to think of one, but I just, uh, I don't know. Yeah, they probably just used this song as album filler and then also because it was one of the more polished songs at the time and trying to get out an album, so you want to get it done. Right. And they just went to something that they had already finished back in 69. And if it's good enough for Inga, it's good enough for ABBA. And I I kind of get what you're hinting at. Like, like why didn't they re-record this song with the four of them, right? If they're going to include it on this album. And and you mentioned that it's a polished, finished song already anyway. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. But also the content of the song, I feel like they would shy away from having women singing She's My Kind of Girl or a love song about a woman. Well, they could have done the backing vocals. That's true. I suppose. But back to Inga. Back to, oh, we're going back to Inga. The return of Inga. So I now want to see Inga too to know what the context of the song was yes because I have my own theories and I'll get into that when we go into our reviews of the song I'm so happy I really want to know what they were thinking and where where this is going it, it right. definitely has a dramatic and cinematic quality about it yeah and a little sinister yes Ooh, you picked up on that too <laughs> <laughs> I literally did write down how do you think this song was supposed to fit into the film Inga 2. Ooh. I didn't have any theories, but I was just curious. Ooh. <laughs> I have a theory, Lauren. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, Julie. Lauren. You want to talk about our feelings about this song? I would love to. This sinister little jingle. Oh, yeah. This number. But first, line 1 to 10. 10 is Chromatica. 1 is It's a Small World by the Sherman Brothers. Oh, my God. You know It's a Small World, after all? Do I? That's the song. Overall, I'm not a huge fan of this one. Me neither. I gave it a 4.5. Whoa. Is that too high? That is too generous. (laughs) You think so? (laughs) Here's the problem, though, is I liked it more than I liked People Need Love, and I liked it about the same as I saw it in the mirror. Oh, no. Which is also 4.5 for me, so that's where my rating is coming from. What did you give it? A 2? I gave it a 3.8. Okay, okay. I gave it, I started out with a 4.1, then I dialed that back to a 4.0, and then I dialed (laughs) that back to a 3.8. Wait, 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 wait. Was it with, like, each iteration of listening to the song? Because that's what happened to me. Yes. Is I was, like, the first time I was, like, this isn't a bad song. I don't hate it. Like, it's got some interesting things going on. 
and uh, like the third time I was like no I hate this song I can't with this song <laughs> yeah I I started out at 4.1 because I thought it was interesting and then yeah as I was typing up my review I started theorizing about what this song was about and then that brought it down 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 mm-hmm. and uh yeah I got uh, a little creeped out a little bit oh god oh god um is that it sounds like many other songs of its time mm-hmm. and it's not like inspiring in any way it doesn't invoke any sort of reaction out of me like any positive reaction i guess and anita and frida aren't in it so eh. and again bjorn and benny singing together doesn't really do anything for me except the weird echo that's happening is kind of Simon and Garfunkel E. Yes. Um, but not nearly as good. No. I also had written down that it sounded like Simon and Garfunkel and also the Beatles a little bit. Yes. You know, so I had this moment at the beginning. I was like, why does it sound so familiar? And I, I wrestled with it for a little bit. And then I was like, oh, no, I figured it out. It sounds kind of similar in its energy to the song So Happy Together by the Turtles, mm-hmm. which also is just a far, far, far better song. Um, but they're like similar enough that, that that's what it reminds me of. You know, they're not exact replicas of each other, but they're kind of similar. I'll have to look that one up because I'm not familiar with that one. I've heard of the Turtles, but... Oh, you know that song. Do I? I can't see me loving nobody but you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so you mentioned that Benny and Bjorn singing together does nothing for you. Yep. It did nothing for me as well in this song because I couldn't tell if it was two people singing or just one person singing. They sound so similar. Mm, That's a good point. Also, it sounded very monotone to me. There was no variation whatsoever. Yes. I said that the the verses were painful for me to listen to because it's just like loud and jarring and it sounds like they're just shouting their words and not like actually singing. Mm-hmm. The chorus isn't much better except that they are attempting to sing rather than just saying the lyrics and it feels a little bit more smooth. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Like there's something about the the way that they're singing that's uncomfortable. Yes. It sounded to me... As though it was one voice singing the chorus, the verse, the backing vocals. And it made me think that this was all contained within the narrator of the song's head. There's no female voice whatsoever. It's just this one person singing. Mm-hmm. And the speaking, I, I said speaking, but it's kind of a monotone speaking voice for the verses. Then there's a slight modulation in the chorus. There's some backing vocals that add a little bit of flavor, but then overall there isn't much range to this song. It's all one level throughout. Yes, 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 yes. And it's not good also. No, no. Can we also talk about the creepy piano? The... That part? That part, and then at the end of the couplets of the verses. What could I do? And when we go I actually wrote that I liked that. Let me listen to it again, though. That part. She means something special to me. Oh, I kind of liked that, though. That was an interesting flavor. That part. Yeah. 
It was a little Adams family ask for me. Ooh, that's true. That's a good point. It it adds to the little like haunted feel of the song. Mm-hmm. It feels hurried and and urgent. Yes, urgent. My mind went straight to a haunted house or Halloween. Yes, something tragic. Creepy. Can I hit you with my theory now? Yes, please. Okay. We've touched upon a, a few things here. One voice, all in the guy's head, tragic, a little bit creepy. So, we also mentioned the monotone. I'm thinking this is a tragic, one-sided love story. I think this guy has feelings for someone, maybe even Inga. We don't know. We haven't seen the movie yet. I think... It's all in his head. I think he loves this woman, thinks she loves him back, but the love is not reciprocated. You think it's like like an infatuation kind of thing? Yes. Like he's he's misreading it or like he's like obsessed with her, kind of stalking her. Yes. I think he is a stalker. I think he's obsessed with her. I think that he is imagining that they are in a relationship that is non-existent. Mm. And it's a, a twisted love song. He's imagining all of this. And he's not actually in a relationship with this girl. And the chorus is his imagination playing up playing up this fantasy and playing this trick on him and making him believe that he's with this girl. And then the creepiness, the reality sets in in the verses um, when he says, if she'd ever leave me. What would I do? Yeah. If she if she'd ever leave me, what would I do? And then also, who could ever believe that she would be mine? Right. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody believes it except you, you cooker. <laughs> and uh, I also mentioned that the choice of instruments is somewhat st- strange as well. I touched upon the piano being kind of creepy at the end of the couplets in the verses. The mandolin, I think it is, is kind of an awkward choice. For a string instrument, it's not as clean and... Orchestral sounding. Right. And I think that awkwardness is appropriate for the context of the song, if I'm assuming correctly that it is some kind of twisted, tragic love story. Which would make sense in the context of what we know from the Inga franchise of films. Yes. I also wanted to note that they use... The symbols as percussion a lot within this song, and it's a light tap on the symbols, yeah. which I think leans into this airy kind of fantasy state that the narrator is in, especially during the, the chorus, and it kind of shows how fragile his heart could be, especially if she were to break it, and I don't want to imagine what he would do if she actually did. Oh, Julie. I'm on board with this theory, 100%, 100%. Oh, yeah. You know how the choruses are like light and airy feeling? It, it reminds me of like late 60s, everyone just frolicking in a field, running around in circles together, mm-hmm. but like that as a fantasy world. And, and that makes so much sense in the context of your theory of this being in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, the chorus is, is him like fantasizing about this relationship. Yes, I think what tipped me off, Lauren, was the monotone voice. And then I noticed there was, I think it was a xylophone this time. And the xylophone brings some kind of lightheartedness and whimsy to it. And I was like, why are they using this in this pretty drab love song? It sounds creepy to me. Yeah. And and that's when it, it, it 
clicked for me. It sounds like he, he trapped her. It's as if a crazy person wrote this song. Yeah, I wrote, isn't this supposed to be a love song? Nothing about the tone of the song would indicate that it's a love song. Like, the tone is so sad and drab, but the lyrics are kind of love-y, but not incredible, incredibly overt about it. Right. The song makes me depressed. I have a hard time listening through all two minutes and 45 seconds of this. The more I listen, the angrier I get. <laughs> That's a good, good description of it. That's perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. This isn't an ABBA song. No, it's not an ABBA song. And it, just one last thing. You'd think when he says things like, look at the way that she smiles when she sees me. How lucky can one fellow be? Wouldn't you think he would change his inflection? He would show some excitement. Right, right. I think the verses, he kind of knows, but he doesn't want to accept it. And then he goes into the chorus and, and his imagination takes over and he's back in this fantasy land. Mm-hmm. Because like a, a, a more real love song, I would argue, talks about his feelings at the forefront, right? So it should be, look how happy she makes me. Look how, like, look at the smile that I get on my face when I see her. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's putting himself at the forefront and saying, look how happy I make her. Right. Look how, like, much of an asset I am in this relationship. Yeah. And this song ends with a chorus as well they don't go back i think there's only two verses in this song and then they do the chorus twice at the end yeah and i think that reaffirms that he's ending the song in this fantasy world and he hasn't snapped back into reality which is unfortunate this is fascinating julie isn't it i get it though i see it i see it but it's it is a creepy song it's a little sinister it's a little weird that's why I want to see Inga too, but I don't. Yeah. But I do just to know what the context is of this song and to confirm that my theory is correct. My hypothesis is correct. I do too. Knowing that it is in a movie kind of makes sense, though, with all of the little dramatic elements that are in there. I don't think we read the, the storyline for Inga 2. I think we just read it for the first one. Yeah, so here's the second one. Three years after the life-changing events, and after eloping with her first love, Carl, to Stockholm, a now 19-year-old Inga finds herself inconsolable, penniless, and abandoned at a cheap and squalid boarding house in Sweden. Unable to pay for her rent, she eventually lands a job as a secretary for the lonely author, Stig, who is still obsessed with his former girlfriend, Greta. (gasps) Inevitably, Inga and Stig begin a steamy affair. However, things will take a turn for the unexpected when the young and seductive guitar player Rolf woos Inga. Inga must make a decision, embrace herself for a shocking revelation. Can she handle the truth? I don't think so. Greta, girl, you better get out of there. Better skedaddle, cat. Get out! Um, but to your point, maybe the song is about the author... Stig, who's obsessed with his former girlfriend, Greta. I really hope so. I hope so, too. I didn't even look that up. I'll pat myself on the back for that one. Nice. I might not contribute much, but I contribute. You bring the spice. Crazy theories. That is for sure. (laughs) I did say that the links between the verses and the chorus and, like, the little quips that the various instruments make is pretty good in this song. Like, I can see where this is a jumping off point for their later work. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because they do become really, really good at transition, specifically between various hooks in their songs. That's true. So I can see that this is like... A part of that. 
Or the beginnings of it. Yeah, yeah, yes. the beginnings of it, yeah. But other than that. Other than that. Wild songs. It's a wild song for a wild movie, I guess. You want to rent it and watch it together? We're going to have to have a date and watch it, yeah. Let's go to Blockbuster. Go rent Inga 2. It's probably in the back, all dusty. Julie, we're going to have to go to the adult entertainment store to rent <sighs> this one. Oh my god! Probably. Is it streaming anywhere? <laughs> Well, while we're looking up where you can find Inga 2, why don't we take a little break and then we'll get right back into what's happening this week. Lauren's got a good one for us. But first, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you check out our Patreon. We've got lots of cool stuff up there. Early releases of episodes, some bonus episodes, including Cher, Reba McIntyre, Eurythmics. It's popping. There's some stickers. And just generally good vibes. And you can find us at patreon.com slash T-Y-F-T-M. My parents just recently discovered how they can use Patreon to uh, get all of those goodies. And uh, they're really enjoying it. And now I get to say, we want you to become one of our Swedish <laughs> meatballs. Now back to the show. She's just my kind of girl. She makes me feel Stop, it's so creepy. (laughs) So what's happening this week, Julie, is that we've got a new ABBA cover alert. (gasps) This one is coming to us from LA-based musician Christian Lee Hudson. His music is in more of an indie folk style. And he's worked closely with other folk artists such as Phoebe Bridgers, who's kind of popular now, um, and Better Oblivion Community Center. In August 2020, he released a series of covers by acts such as Blink-182, Kid Cudi, um, and a few others. Good ones. In an album that he called The Virgin Suicides Volume 4, because I guess he's done three other volumes of it. And it was so well received that he decided to publicly release The Virgin Suicides Volume 1, which includes three covers. Number one, Dancing Queen. Number two, Betty by Taylor Swift. Never heard it. It's off of her, not her most recent album, but the first album that she released last year, Folklore. Evergreen? Nope. Evermore was the one that was released in like December or something. And then Folklore was released earlier in the year. Is that the one with the sweater? Yes. I don't know. Anyway, it's a pretty good song, um, but it's already kind of in a folk style. And then the third song on this covers album is the song A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. BC. And these songs kind of sound like if Simon and Garfunkel performed them in a weird way, like the guitar, the simple harmonies, they're stripped back, the instruments. Not in the same way that... She's My Kind of Girl sounds like Simon and Garfungal with the echoing of the harmonies, but like they're pretty similar, but they're all really good. So you should, you should check them out. I will. How do you spell Christian? Is with a C? Yes. Okay. Christian Lee Hudson. Hudson. H-U-T-S-O-N. Very nice. I will check him out after this. Lauren, is he one of your PB and Jams this week? No, he's not. Mm-mm-mm. 
Mm-mm. i've got a good mm-hmm. one you want me to go first because i always go second yeah i think you should go first okay so i'm not gonna lie i've been listening to a lot of sammy ray and the friends new ep let's throw a party like literally almost exclusively for the past four days because it's so good and i so badly wanted to choose a sammy ray song and talk about how much i love her and how much i love her music and everything that she does but i refrained because i'm an adult and i have some self-control so my pb and jam this week is the song golden by harry styles you're so golden good one have you heard it i think so yeah isn't that his new album yeah it came out in 2019 oh but it feels like it came out like just yesterday doesn't it yes i think that they re-released some of the songs as singles this summer i think that's why maybe that's when they did the videos for him that too yeah because watermelon sugar was popular this summer and that's off that album yeah Golden is off his 2019 album fine line and it's a 70s soft rock socal inspired indie pop jam that invokes images of driving around in the summer with your windows down sun streaming in just feeling good um in this song his singing is a bit understated compared to some of the others on the album but the arrangement of the layers is really what shines through in this song in particular like you can lay down and listen to it and you feel like you're like swirling in love pleading alongside him to give this relationship a chance with this person, telling them how perfect and golden they are, that kind of thing. In particular, I love how the various voices come and go throughout the song. There's some amazing backing vocals that go, um, some really good guitar highlights, and even a glockenspiel is highlighted on this song. No way. Yes, way. Around 2 minutes and 19 seconds, um, it breaks out of the chorus and it's kind of calm. Things feel like they're swirling. And then there's like a little twinkling in the background going, dee, 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 dee. it's really, really pleasant. Da, 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 da. I love that part. I really, really do. I bet he turns it up a notch during his live shows and it hits that much harder. Oh, I bet it's so good. Mm-hmm. See, it's that's what I love about it is it's so upbeat. Yeah. And it just feels warm. It's like cautiously hopeful, and, but simultaneously reminiscent and nostalgic. It's it's a really, really good song. And I, I think it's the best off the album. It's, I think it's better than Watermelon Sugar. I don't think Watermelon Sugar can touch this song. Nope. It can try. There's just something about it. It can try, but it's not. Sorry. Hot take. <laughs> Julie. Lauren. What's your PB and Jam this week? Do you want to hear what my PB and Jam is? What is your PB and Jam? My PB and Jam this week is Say It by Maggie Rogers. <gasps> I love Maggie. I love Maggie too. Ah! If she and Sammy Ray and the friends could go on tour together, it would make my life. Light On is so good. 
Burning though is the one that like I always listen to. They're they're also good. So as you know, I struggle weekly trying to come up with my PB and jam. And this week was a little bit different. I knew I wanted to feature Maggie at some point on this podcast, but what song to choose? Oh, so hard. It's so hard. Because I was introduced to her by a local indie music radio station Mm -hmm. that was playing her song Falling Water, which is a jam. Mm -hmm. But I also like Give a Little. I love that one. I love Light On. The Knife. Oh, my other favorite is The Knife. I love that one. I didn't realize that I had listened to so many of her songs just like at different points in my life, but not like I've never listened through her whole album. You should. It's got a great vibe. Great themes throughout nature, love, peace, calmness, serenity. Good stuff. Good stuff. I almost had the opportunity to go see her and Mumford and Sons play. Oh my God. When she was opening for them. I just, I couldn't pull the trigger. There's some bad weather coming and I'm kicking myself now because that was my shot. That was my shot. And then she blew up. She blew up. Anyways, this song that I've chosen, Say It, it kind of had to grow on me. I'll, I'll be honest. It had to grow on me. The beginning of it is quite slow, quite atmospheric, a little bit flat. And then, and, and there's some kind of electro organ playing, which, which kind of gives it this ethereal sound. But then into the chorus, it explodes with an electro R&B tempo that builds and then when she sings the chorus and says, I knew it when you looked my way, that I'd be begging you to stay. I couldn't say it to myself. Oh my gosh. Blew me away. And the chorus is so great. It's got that R&B kind of feel that I love. She said in an interview uh, about the song specifically that she she kind of grew up listening to, you know, R&B, 90s R&B. And that's kind of the, the flavors that I find in this song. It kind of reminds me of, of something TLC would do or maybe like a Joe song or something, especially with the beat as well. I think that's pretty mm. similar to some of the ones that they would use in 90s R&B. And then the choir of female voices that just reminds me of TLC. But the beat here, it kind of mirrors a heartbeat in some ways, especially during the verses much calmer and then it really starts to pick up tempo it starts to race during that chorus and she said before that this was pretty much about a crush and so she wrote it just about crushing on somebody oh yeah get it maggie and it's all about that aching tug of war feeling between your head and your heart Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's probably not going to happen but your heart wants what it wants and uh it, it brings you back to all those heavy emotions that you might have felt maybe when you weren't quite as in control of them back when you were younger. And I don't know, it, it, it kind of kind of shows you that maybe not everything is going to work out, but you have the freedom to want them to. Mm-hmm. And you, you have that emotional breadth to be able to feel that. And that's what I love about this song. That's so beautiful, Julie. <laughs> Oh God! I'm cry. I'm very vulnerable Are today, you? but that's beautiful. You can, you can cry with me. Just life. Get <laughs> emotional too. I had to look this up because I I vaguely remember this happening. But the first time I heard a Maggie Rogers song was in March of 2017. Whoa! When I was driving to North Carolina. 
for spring break to go hiking in the mountains. And I heard her on the radio just randomly, like driving through Virginia or something. I was like, this is a really good song. And it was a song on and off. So yeah, so that's that's like where I first heard her. But I never like followed up really. And, and I didn't realize that she hadn't even like released this song on an album until 2019. Right. She's only had one complete album, I think. Yeah. There, there was another one that I think is called Notes from the Archives. Mm. And that's that's a much more folksy kind of album. Mm-hmm. This one is definitely more upbeat, more pop-centric, and uh, yeah, I really like this one. I like all the songs off of this album. I really, really like Burning. Man, she should have won artist, or, you know, Best New Artist at the Grammys that one year. Yeah. Julie. Lauren. Thank you for the music. That was really good. Thank you for the music, for talking with me. Oh, always. I love talking to you. Me too. I love doing this podcast with you too lauren i hope that shows to our listeners i think it does i think so too thank you all out there for listening to our show you can find us on instagram and tiktok at abba podcast julie's been killing it on instagram so you definitely want to follow us there um we got this new series called slap track where we just talk about songs that we're jamming to and post them to our uh insta stories so yeah it's really it's really helpful to me because I struggle so much trying to find a PB and jam. So I'm gonna hit you with all the ones that I thought should have made the list, but were close second or something I'm I find too late. Mm, exactly, exactly. And we also have a Twitter at Abapod. And you can become a supporter of the show at patreon.com slash TYFTM. Yes, ma'am. And you can listen to all of our other episodes of Thank You for the Music at Abapodcast.com. And wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know where you get them. Don't forget to rate and review the show. And as always, thank you for the music. The songs we're still singing. Singing. This one comes from us. Nope. (laughs) We did a cover and you didn't tell me about it. Oh my gosh. I just cut together specific words that we say and set it to the tune of Dancing Queen. I'll get the low parts, Lauren. Yeah, okay. Perfect.